This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello everyone, it's the Hockey News Podcast live stream. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. And uh, if you guys were watching the games last night or if you were watching anyone out there listening or watching, uh, there was something pretty gruesome to see. Miko Rantanen, Colorado Avalanche star right winger, takes an awkward fall. And it was one of those, like they say in football, almost a non-contact kind of injury where he just seemed to buckle under his own weight. He fell awkwardly. Uh, As of right now, the MRI results are not in. So we don't know the exact extent, but maybe producer Steven, if, you know, if during the course of this podcast, if we find out, he'll let us know. Uh, but let's just discuss it a little bit because it certainly looked bad. So if it turns out to be a lengthy absence, which I do think it's going to be, uh, what do you think happens with Colorado? And let's start with that first line. Who's first up? Who's yeah. taking Rantanen's place on line one? Well, I'd be a lot more worried uh, if I were the Boston Bruins and this was David Pasternak. Um, you know, Boston's been so top-heavy with offense this year. Basically, their first line has done everything. Mm-hmm. They, I think they have 16 of their 22 goals or 15 of their 22 goals. Um, I'd be a little bit less concerned if I'm the Colorado Avalanche if this is a long-term absence um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Andre Burkowski's actually been playing real well. Yeah. I think he's got four goals. He's, he's yeah. really come back nicely after a really bad year last year. Um, you know, I would suspect that next man up, you just move him up. You move JT Confer up to the second line. You move Matt Calvert up to the third line, and you you put in Nikushkin, or you call somebody up from the the farm team. And and I mean, you know, it's not good. It's not good when you lose Miko Rantanen. But I don't think it's something that I, I mean, you're gonna these are these things are gonna happen to teams all the time. And you've got to be able to have the depth and the quality of of players to be able to make it less of a an impact. And I and I think Colorado's kind of got that. Yeah. Burakovsky, definitely a good option. I would even like to see Yunus Donskoy, who can play both wings. Yeah, he'd have I'd like to, move to see over from the left side. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see him get a crack because I feel that he might have just a little more sandpaper than Burakovsky. Yep. Burakovsky's a pure finesse player, uh, which is great and it's been working out fine for him. But because you're replacing a big body like Rantanen, not that Donskoy is a big body himself, but he's bigger than yeah. Burakovsky, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot. And then I, I totally agree, you move people up. You know, if you're going to call somebody up, I wonder even if it's somebody like a Logan O'Connor, a guy who can be more of that bottom six guy that can do a lot of good little things for your team, where he's been very nice uh, for the Colorado organization since coming aboard. And you kind of reward him, and you you bring your scorers up, and you keep the scorers as scorers, and yeah. you have O'Connor in your bottom six, and, and he can do sort of the, the grinding work. I, I feel that would be a nice option for them. And I think we, we're seeing now a silver lining to the fact Rantanen wasn't signed and was late reporting to the team. So we actually got a look in the preseason at Colorado minus Rantanen. So I think we do know that it's going to be Burkowski getting the first shot. Uh, and he's he's a big he's a big winger. He shoots left, I believe, playing the right side, which I believe is the same configuration as, that you have with Rantanen. So there's a comparison there. And you know what? Uh, I was a guy who was who was bearish on him, saying he's had big opportunities in the past in Washington, didn't do anything with them. But here he is, eight points in nine games. He's making me look yeah. bad. So good for you, Andre Burkowski. <laughs> uh, we'll see if he can do it over a long period of time. Uh, but it's interesting compared to last year. You know, you have to give give credit to Joe Sakic because Landis Cobb went down last year. And Colorado was a team that was a bit exposed, lack of depth. But now they have the depth right. to withstand an absence. You know, hopefully it's not a super long absence, but if there is, you know, medium length absence, I think they can survive and they have a nice 
cushion in the standings uh, as well. So there you go. Uh, Nico Heischer, over the past week, since the last podcast, signed a seven-year contract with the Jersey Devils, $7.25 million cap hit. And it kind of, you know, it, to me, immediately calls to mind the Clayton Keller deal. Mm-hmm. And just like we saw with Keller, there's a fair amount of projection going on with this deal. And that seems to be kind of a trend where teams are, you know, if you're going to get a guy signed long-term, you're going to pay him something that is a lot more than what he's worth right now, but you're hoping that becomes right. a bargain. Mm-hmm. So where do you guys land on that with the Devils? Do you think they are going to be very happy with that contract in a few years, or are they overpaying for Nico Heischer? I don't think they're overpaying. I think yeah. I think it I think it's exactly what how you portrayed it, Matt. Like it's it's I, I think the teams looked at what hap- has happened in the last two summers and they're like, we don't want that. We don't want that uncertainty. Right. We don't want that confrontation. We don't want the possibility of a guy who's only played in the league three years, missing all of training camp and perhaps some of the season, and and basically having to write off a year like William Nylander had to last year. Last year was a complete. An utter write-off for William Nylander. Um, so I think they're seeing that and they're saying, okay, well, yeah, okay. So it, it, given that, you know, we're willing to overpay for a year or two, and then maybe, you know, maybe in years three, four, five, then it starts to even out, and in six and seven, we're getting a huge bargain, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I think what you have to remember is, you know, Nico Heischer did not win the Calder Trophy as a rookie, but he centered the guy who won. The the uh, the hard trophy. trophy. Yes, he was he was Taylor Hall center, and he was very very good. So I mean, is seven point two five too much for a guy that's going to get fifty points, fifty sixty points, mm-hmm. and uh, have an upward projection in today's NHL? Probably not. I don't think. Probably not. Yeah, and I think the Taylor Hall connection <laughs> is very good because. Taylor Hall coming up for unrestricted free agency this summer. I have a feeling that he will at least test the market. He could very well return to New Jersey. And with Heischer signed long term, all of a sudden you've got Heischer and Jack Hughes as your two top centers for at least the next seven years. You figure Hughes just beginning his entry level contract. But that's a pretty nice carrot to dangle in front of Taylor Hall and say, hey, we got your boys. I remember talking to Taylor Hall the summer after he won the heart, and he was saying Nico Heischer deserved a lot more right. Calder consideration. And you know, he even made a joke that like if Heischer had played in Toronto, he probably would have got a bunch of votes. But because he was in New Jersey, he was kind of out of the spotlight. But he gave a lot of credit for that heart trophy to Nico Heischer. And we're only going to see more from Nico as he becomes more entrenched in the NHL. So, I, yeah, I think it's a great deal. And because Hughes is on his entry-level contract right now, which is going to be less money that he's worth in a year or two. It's, this is great asset management, in my mind, from yeah. Ray Shiro and his staff, where you look at how the salaries are going to work out, and by the time he sure is a bargain, hypothetically, then you got to go for Jack Hughes' second contract, yeah, yeah. but at least it's yeah. kind of evening out, and then you're getting a bargain on he sure in years, say, four, five, six. That helps if you know if Hughes has done a bridge or if he's on a long-term deal. Like you're evening out all that cap space a little bit, and that'll help them in the long run. Yeah. For sure, and I think I do think it's important. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Hall because I feel like everything the Devils do this year, you have to look at it through the lens of does this make Taylor Hall like the Devils more? Sure. And I, I do think knowing that security is there with those two centers, you know, here for the long haul, it, it does help. And I also think we have to consider, you know, the rising cap. So right now, if we project it, it's 8.9% of the cap, but that cap hit, and that's if the cap hit were to st- the, the overall cap were to stay at 81.5 million. It's probably going to go up. But even if it stayed, 
it's the equivalent of five years ago, $6.14 million as a, as a cap hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's relevant because we're looking at this contract down the road, right? Um, so I don't think it's going to be a, a terrible number. I think that, um, especially because, and this is more true for Heischer than it is for Clayton Keller, uh, Heischer's got some two-way skill to his game. So I kind of see a future configuration where you have the equivalent of what Vancouver's putting together with Pedersen and Bo Horvat. And I mm. think Nico Heischer, in a way, can be your Bo Horvat. He's, you know, he's smaller and he's not as classically, you know, maybe it's people just because Bo Horvat's Canadian, they want to filter him through a different lens, but um, I, I think Heischer's a good defensive player too. So long term, you could have Hughes as your pure offensive guy, your Pedersen, and you could have Heischer as your guy that handles the tougher mm-hmm. matchups. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, while you know, chipping in 25 goals, 60 points, yeah, that's then I think he's worth that number. Yeah, sure. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there's been a lot of talk about, you know, this season and last season and the season before about Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty. They've already gone <laughs> head-to-head a couple times this year, and you have Drew Doughty claiming that he's over it, that he's done with it, and then you have the big pile-on, Doughty's yeah. at the bottom last week. Um, so uh, I have a few questions about that rivalry. The first one uh, is, who do you think's winning Matthew Kachuk versus Drew Doughty? I have an answer in my mind, but I want to see what you guys say first. I think it's Drew Doughty right now. Really? I do, because he got the overtime goal in Calgary. He, he you know, put the hand up and silenced everybody. Mm-hmm. And he's still got two cups, and he's still the Norris Trophy candidate, and he's still... One of the best defensemen in the league, Matthew Kachuk is is rising. Mm. But I think I think right now, um, I think I think that let's put it this way: I think Drew Doughty drives Matthew Kachuk a lot more nuts than Matthew Kachuk Ooh, drives Drew Doughty. I'm, I'm, I'm way on the other yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, I did a counterattack yeah, on yeah. that. Wow. But, but, but I was watching After Hours on Hockey Night in Canada, and Doughty said, you know what, everybody's making so much of this with, with Matthew Kachuk. He says, there's a guy on every team I have a rivalry like that with. He says, mm-hmm. Corey Perry and I hate each other. You know, on, in the offseason, they're both they both off-season in London, right? right, And they, they hang out in the off-season. He says, but during the season, we can't stand each other. Yeah. He says, there's probably a guy on every team that, that I have a rivalry like that with. Yeah. And ironically, Matthew Kachuk played for the London Knights. Exactly. So there's that connection, yeah, too. Yeah. They might even yeah. see each other in the summer as well. They might. But see, I'm, I say Kachuk has the upper hand now because it feels like Dowdy is looking for Kachuk. It feels like he's kind of paying rent in his mind. Well, he found him. He found him on he Saturday He found night. him. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> found him on Saturday night. And, I mean, it's so great. And I, I love both players because of the way they play and because of the way they interact with each other. The way I look at it right now, because you're, you're right about the past. You know, Dowdy has all those accolades. But if you know, if I'm Matthew Kachuk and Drew Dowdy says, like, hey, I got two cups, what do you have? And Matthew Kachuk said, well, you're never winning another one, not in L.A., Kachuk is on the team that is going towards a, a yeah, Stanley yeah, Cup in yeah. Calgary. And, and well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a long road, but, I mean, certainly they're in a better position than yeah, the Kings. I'll give you that. I, I feel that the fact that Dowdy is engaging so much and actually talking to the media, even if he's trying to downplay it, that, that gives the edge to Kachuk in my mind, okay. at least on a psychological yeah. level. And I'm with you because I think, you know, of, of course, Matthew Kachuk is a great player. He's a highly skilled player. He's going to have an amazing career. But if you look at Calgary's depth chart, okay, Matthew Kachuk is their second line left winger. Drew Doughty is everything in L.A. He's their 25, 28-minute-a-night defenseman. So Kachuk's goal is, hmm, if I can get this number one defenseman distracted, that's great news because then he's focusing on me and not his significant responsibilities. 
for the LA Kings. So right. I think it's Kachuk's goal to get Doughty distracted. And every time Doughty talks about it, it's just evidence that it's working. But, if but one guy's obsessing over the other, then I think that's advantage to the pest in but, my mind. But is it working? Like, is it working? I mean, well, in, the, in the last game, Drew Doughty scored the overtime goal. He wiped him out in this in the, in this game. Like, Drew Doughty's never been suspended for anything he's yeah. done to Matthew Kachuk, but Matthew Kachuk's been suspended for stuff he's done to yeah. Drew Doughty. And that, that's so fair. I, I don't. I see. I would argue he's like okay, maybe he thinks he's getting into Drew Doughty's kitchen, but I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't I'd, think it's working. I'd rather be suspended two games than get. Elbowed in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And concussed. It is a fair point. So I, I decided yeah. to, I took some numbers down. So Kachuk has played the LA Kings 13 times. Yeah. And he's got four goals and eight points, 29 penalty minutes. So that supports your theory. That's that's a below par stat line for Matthew Kachuk. And a lot of penalty minutes, so he's getting himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. But the Flames are 7-4-2 and two when they play LA since Kachuk's career started. Right. So, okay. okay. You know, we'll see. That's yeah, circumstantial. Yeah. Oh, it's Steven, fun to watch. Steven's, Steven's got, got a... We got a very important question. I think that needs to be answered now, and it's not a question. It's from Dave Sutherland. It says, "Ken is cool." Boom. <laughs> Dave Sutherland. Okay, Dave. Uh, uh, is that a Ken bot? You know, you you know you are in a huge minority, right? Dave? <laughs> and I love you, Dave. I don't know you, but I love you. Thank you. There you go. It says when I see Dave Sutherland's Twitter bio, it says it's Ken's wife. It's actually Lucy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. That makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah. I think Ken fell for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so staying on the topic of rivalries, and I'm going to call it pest versus player because and it's not to take away from the, the one player who's a pest, but I'm, I, w- I don't want it to be confused with just you know two skilled players, okay? So right. I want to hear your favorite rivalry of all time that's, that involves like bad blood and one guy making another guy angry. Mm. Okay, so l- we'll go with you first, Brian. Okay, I- I'm going to go with Claude Lemieux versus... Either Chris Draper or Darren McCarty, depending on how you view that particular rivalry, because the stakes were so high and the outcome was so crazy. You know, like those Colorado-Detroit games were must-see viewing, and it was a matter of not only did they hate each other, but, you know, the winner was going to play for a Stanley Cup and most likely win a Stanley Cup. And, I mean, when you think of, like, 90s hockey... That's like right near the top in terms of storyline. So I, I, I like Claude Lemieux versus the Red Wings at large. That's a good one. Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I look back. I'm going to go back a little further. I mean, Steve Casper used to drive Wayne Gretzky out of his mind. <laughs> Right, he used to just like I remember we had a cartoon once by by Elston that you know I mean he was during during Wayne Gretzky's wedding like Steve Casper was there poking him. <laughs> I mean that, that's what it is like you know so, so or 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 no no I think it was actually he was on his honeymoon sitting with Janet on the beach and Casper like was in between. That's them. amazing. Yeah yeah so so that that's a, that's a really good one but but I think you know it's more this one is more like two guys who are who can play like Drew Doughty's uh, Norris Trophy winner probably a Hall of Famer yep. Matthew Kachuk is a rising star in the yep. league so I would go more towards maybe like a Wendell Clark Bob Probert kind of thing mm. two guys who could play and mm. two guys who are nasty 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 pieces of work mm. and took it out on each other I like that yeah, yeah. And, and it's tough too because you know I, I'm picking a modern example but I think there are a lot of examples in you know 80s 90s and even 70s when it was the era of shadowing like you know you're Don yeah, Marco yeah on Guy Lafleur type of situation. Right, right. Mm. And, and I know like pure shadowing, like the man-on-man shadowing doesn't happen as much anymore in the modern game, but 
Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Sean Avery and Marty Broder, mm. just because. Like you know, the rivalry, like, the rivalry was so big, so fast that it caused an emergency rule change when True. Avery was doing the stick in the face yeah. thing on Broder. And, and I, <laughs> I went back and looked at one of the quotes because when the series ended, they, were, they the, Broder didn't shake his hand, and Avery said, "Everybody talks about how classless I am, but I guess Fatso forgot yeah, fat to so. shake my hand." Yeah. There was a like, real <laughs> genuine dislike between those two, and yeah. and, and uh, it just made for a, a crazy story within a playoff series. I can't imagine what. It would have been like I would have been too young to actually cover that series at the time, but just being at that game and witnessing just the stick waggle like it's yeah, just yeah, the yeah. weirdest thing. Yeah, uh, and I I just thought that was a lot of fun, so that would be my pick. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Qu- Christian Hockey, by the way, and also don't forget keep firing questions our way. We're going to take some soon, live questions. Uh, so next up we have. A storyline that was uh, essentially tabled by one of the team's own players, in, in a way, last week. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's, Bruce has to be better. <laughs> yes, Bruce has to be better, to, to quote Jason Zucker. Um, we'll get to Jason as well. But um, let's talk about the Wild. And, you know, they've had a poor start. Um, and Bruce Boudreaux, the crosshairs are starting to point toward him. Uh, do you think that the Minnesota Wild and new GM Bill Guerin have to consider moving on? Even though I know there's been a vote of confidence given to Boudreaux recently by Guerin. Yeah. Um, do you think that holds true, or should Minnesota start thinking about a new coach? Well, I, I, I think that no. I, I think that uh, Bill Guerin, I talked to Bill Guerin when they were in Toronto last week, and he said, you know what, I owe it to these guys to, to see what we have here. They're good people. They're good hockey people. And, and, I, and I'm going to take him at his word on that because I take Bill Guerin at his word on a lot of things. He's a pretty straight shooter. Um, that being said, they lost 3 nothing that night, and I've interacted with Bruce Boudreaux a lot over the years in you know when he was in Washington when he was in Anaheim and now in Minnesota I have never seen him so dejected as he was that night like somebody mentioned the team speed and he said well I wish I had a magic potion to make him faster but I don't you know like yeah. so that but was a good impression of, of that was good of Gabby, by the way oh, that sounded yeah. like him. Yeah. that was good wow um so I don't think they I don't think it's time to move on now. He's in the last year of his contract, guys. The Minnesota Wild's going nowhere. I mean, I know they beat Montreal the other night, but really they're not It's a back-to-back for Montreal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so really like I think you just kind of know what you have in Minnesota. You have a lot of older guys who are on long-term deals who aren't really fleet of foot. And you got a really slow old team, and you just kind of deal with it. And like, what's what's bringing someone else in going to do at this point? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What what's that going to do at this point? Nothing probably. Yeah. And so you just ride it out. You let Bruce finish his contract. You probably don't bring him back next year. And then you you know you kind of keep building towards something a little bit better. You got Kirill Kaprizov in, in Russia, who's tearing it up. He's got a hundred goals by the time he's fourteen years old, or something like that. And and you know you like that. You've got a few other guys. You've got uh, the kid they picked from the U.S. development program, Boldy, 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 and so you, I, I think it's just a process here. Yeah, I, I mean, this is not Bruce Boudreaux's fault. Like, unless the next coach is Don Braid, the power skating coach. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's nothing that Bruce Boudreaux can do about this particular group. And, you know, that's Bill Guerin's challenge, is to turn this lineup that is not suited for today's NHL 
and somehow get from under those contracts and find some players who are quicker that can keep up and have good pace. And, you know, Kaprizov might be part of the answer. Alexander Kavanov, who has had a couple of, like, weird maladies already in his young career, but he's back healthy with the Moncton Wildcats in the Quebec League, and he's on fire. So, you know, maybe you see Kavanov in the next year or two up up in the NHL, might seem like a steep increase, but why not? Well, you got to try some new things in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that's what Paul Fenton was going to do, was get rid of contracts to try to turn that group around. He didn't do it, and that's why we're where we are today. Uh, as for Jason Zucker's comments, I feel that this was a great ploy by Jason Zucker, like the only fast player on the team, to get out of Dodge. <laughs> it's like, oh, I criticized my coach. Uh, this is an awkward thing. Maybe you'll have to trade me. Trade me anywhere else in the NHL. He almost got traded last year. He, yeah. And he almost he got traded very, last year. Very close to yeah. last year. Was it to Vegas? I, I can't remember, I but it was, there, were, there were some trades on the, there were trades on the board, yeah. and, and it was very close. And I talked to him at the NHL Awards, and he was like, yeah. I, and, and he told me, he said, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I moved this offseason. I like to see him in Pittsburgh. I feel like that's a team that could really use him. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, you know, speaking of wild players who could be traded, I think that's part of the reason why you can't really replace Poudreau right now because who are you bring in a new guy to coach? Like half this team could get traded within the next 365 days, right? Like, yeah. that, like the veterans could get moved at the deadline, that kind of thing. So I don't think you want the new coach coming in until you have some of your younger guys breaking through to the NHL level. So I think, you know, even though it's, it might not be a harmonious relationship the rest of the season, I think Boudreaux's got to go down with the ship. That said, just selfishly for the sake of Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, I would love to see Boudreaux set free because... He's one of the most exciting coaches in the league when he has a new team. Uh, if you look at mm, year yeah. one, so his record uh, in year one of, of his team so far in his career, 113, 65, and 23. So 619 points percentage. He's got an energy and a, an ability to unlock players. And I remember doing a story on him a couple years ago when the Wild were really good, that really good season they had. And I talked to Miko Koivu and Michael Granlin about it. And especially Granlin, because Granlin was the guy. Like, they said, Boudreaux understands people. He understands what a player's strengths are, and he knows how to unlock guys that are kind of stuck in the mud in their careers. And he really did do that for Michael Granlin. So I would love, like, I, I see this dream scenario where Boudreaux ends up in New Jersey um, because oh, we yeah. have all that offensive talent, and Boudreaux is a pure offensive coach. Mm-hmm. His teams can always score. And he, he managed to turn some wild teams that shouldn't have been high-scoring teams into reasonably offensive teams. But if you look at you know his Anaheim teams and, of course, his Washington teams, um, had a lot of talent, but also just they played a run-and-gun style. And I would love to see what he could do on a team like New Jersey because, again, he's a turnaround artist, always has been. He, he's great at you know picking up a team that's ready to start climbing, but now he's on a team that's declining, and that's not a fit for him, no. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, a bizarre story uh, in the AHL this past week, and I don't know if you guys saw the fight. It was Colby oh, Cave yeah. uh, of oh, yeah. Bakersfield and Martin Pospisil of Stockton. It was a vicious fight. Pospisil got knocked out cold, just boom. I think his head bounced off the ice. He was, like, completely unconscious. Um, and then after the game, you know, there was a tweet about the classiness of Cave, and it was from Pospisil. So I'm going to read the text thread, and he, and, and Pospisil tweeted this, okay? So he said that Cave texted him, and it's, hey, buddy, it's Cave from the other side. Just wanted to reach out and hope you're okay, buddy. Tough seeing that. You're a tough kid. I respect a guy that stands up for himself. Hope you have a quick a quick recovery, buddy. And then Pospisil writes back, hey, bud, I'll be all right. It was a good fight. Thank you for reaching out. Uh, no problem, man. Hope to see you there soon. And then uh, out there soon. And then uh, Pospisil says, doesn't remember the fight at all uh, and is excited for the rematch. 
And that kind of scared me. You know, uh, I don't want to be the bleeding heart, but maybe I do want to be the bleeding heart because I'm, I don't like bleeding brains. Uh, as someone who's had a bleeding brain before, it's not fun, okay? Uh, and I'm worried when you see that kind of sentiment, the guy who's just out cold and already preparing to fight again. I don't know. Am I being too alarmist here? What do you think? Hold on, hold on. Did you actually print a screenshot out? <laughs> <laughs> sure did, Stephen. Oh, you're the grandpa today, aren't you? <laughs> U.S. Senator Matt Larkin. What's screenshot? <laughs> well, I can't scroll it. I'm trying to scroll it. <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to say? Well, I know where you what stand. Do you want, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a tap Like, oh, isn't hockey wonderful? <laughs> I caved your head in, pun intended. No, I'm reaching out. Oh, buddy, aren't I a great guy? Aren't I so classy because I reached out to you after I punched your face yeah. in? What, what do you want me to say, Matt? Like, the, if you're going to have fighting in hockey, these things are going to happen. Yeah. You know? So should we be scared? I don't know. Should we? I don't know. Like, the guy's an idiot if he wants to go out and fight again. Like, I'm scared for Pospisil because he well, evidently okay, but, isn't but good at fighting. He's clearly an idiot. Like, <laughs> come on, buddy. And, you know, come on. To, okay, so we're sitting here. Ho- fighting, ho- fighting has to be in hockey because it's such a intense sport. You know, it's way more intense than all the other ones. And they got to have this outlet for their emotions and everything. And already this donkeys talking about coming back and fighting again where's the where's the, the where's the, the the spontaneous emotion in that yeah. next time they go out the two dancing bears are going to come out and they're going to go and yeah. they're going to fight and everybody's going to cheer and that's half the reason why they have this in this damn league in the AHL because in places like Stockton and uh, Bakersfield that's the kind of crap that sells right. so anyways and I, I, I would tell you to drop the mic, but it's too expensive. So That's please, right. please don't. We need the mic there. Yeah. I'll play. I'll play devil's advocate, uh, as I usually do in the fighting issue. At this point, everybody knows the risks of head injuries and yeah. fighting and headshots in hockey. The players know it. They call them conkies, which I find kind of adorable. Um, they know what they're doing. If they choose yeah. to do it. Up to them. I've spoken to enforcers in the past, NHL enforcers, mind you, who said, I've had the conversation with my wife. If I have CTE in 30, 40 years, I accept that. I'm getting paid way more than people that do much more dangerous jobs than I. I feel very lucky to do so. I am well aware of the risks. That's where we're at right now in terms of awareness and education, if you want to use that word. I, I don't know if... You know, I mean, rematch was possible specifically saying I'm going to fight Colby Cave again, or was it a matter of Stockton and Bakersfield are going to play a bunch more times and it's Flames versus Oilers prospects right, you know, for right. those who don't know uh, what the teams are? <clears throat> Hard to say. This is hockey culture. Um, I know a lot of us in the media don't necessarily come from within the culture, and it seems kind of alien when you get into these granular things like this. But, I mean, this these are the people most heavily invested in the sport, and they are making choices as adults. That's where we're at. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, I mean, you know, if this had happened 30 years ago or 25 years ago, you know, uh, Pospisil, after his career, might be able to blame somebody. Mm. Now, Pospisil can't blame anyone. Yeah. He you knows. can't blame anybody. Because yeah, we know now. Yep. We know. 
Yep. We know what the dangers are. We know that getting, like, it's taken us a long time. Not to according think. to Gary Bettman, though. It's There's no taken us right. quite, quite a while to figure out that getting punched in the head <laughs> is going to have long-term effects. Yeah. But they do know that now. They know. So in 30 years, this guy can't come back and say, oh, well, you know, uh, I was, uh, you know, it was all part of what I had to do. Well, mm, yeah. you can make these choices. Like you say, yeah. you can make these choices. Yeah. And Pospisil, he, he can play. In the USHL, he was on the top line with Bobby Brink and Marcus Kelly and Kieli, uh, both of whom were drafted this year. Pospisil was a year older. Um, he put up a ton of penalty minutes in the USHL, but also a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So he, he's not a one-dimensional guy. Uh, he's kind of a nasty power forward type. He could very well be playing for the Flames in a couple of years, making a million dollars, and again, those those are his life decisions. Right. It's it's a strange thing. Like it's something I struggle with, and I think can you know. In your generation, you're more the exception. You know, I think you're more forward-thinking in terms of your opinion on... I'm also uh, cool. Yeah, you're cool. <laughs> Especially according to uh, Dave Sutherland. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I think newer generations, you know, like young millennials, are very anti-fighting because they were born into a world where fighting was not very common. It's not something they even associate as much with being part of the game. I'm sort of on that tweener generation where, you know, I was watching Rock'em Sock'em tapes when I was 10. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, that, and if this was in Rock'em Sock'em, I would say, I'll tell you right now, there's honor among these guys, good guys, and you would sort of buy into the glorification of it. But now, and I've, I've talked to Don Cherry about this now, I said, Do you, have you ever looked back at the tapes and does it feel kind of weird now knowing like you know, some of those hits by Scott Stevens are headshots and it's sort of that weird murky middle where like my brain is changing and I don't know what to do about it. Right. So, you know, so I, I, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but it also makes me a hypocrite because when I was 10 years old, I would have, I was the guy, you know, calling to my dad, fight, fight, fight. Come in from the kitchen. Like, there's a fight, you know? But you evolved, Matt. You evolved. And we can do that as a human race. And you know what? Hockey can do it, too. Fair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> good rant by Ken. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take some live listener questions now. We're going to start with a guy whose name has got to be fake. If it's not fake, <laughs> then you are the man. Julian Bravo. It's a real yeah. name. Real he's, name? He's, he sounds like a wrestler from the 80s. That's like, true. Is there, is there any way? Yeah. Like he, he's a guy that would have teamed up with some other guy with a cool name, and they would have been the tag team champions. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree. And Julian Brown. And I, I feel like yeah. his voice is like guy. this. And he would have been a good guy. Yeah. 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 They sold out the Montreal <laughs> Forum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Julian Bravo, Julian Bravo asks, should the Flyers trade Claude Giroux? Ooh. So to me, that's Ooh. kind of like... You know, in a few years from now, people might say, oh, they should have traded Claude Drew. It's kind of like asking, you know, three or four years ago, should the Anaheim Ducks trade Ryan Getzlaff? And the answer would have been no, and I think the answer is still no with Claude Drew. He's your captain. He's your most important forward. He's the guy who who, uh, attracts the attention of the other team's best checkers. And yes, I know, you know, Drew are his absolute best seasons behind him, probably. Yeah. But he still has good years left in him, absolutely, you know, being at least a point-per-game player, I think. And, you know, the Flyers' offensive depth, yes, you have great prospects coming up like Morgan Frost and Joel, Joel Farabee, but they're not ready to be thrust into really important roles. And Nolan Patrick has not panned out as expected so far, and it's not entirely his fault, of course. He's been very unlucky with injuries, but it doesn't change the fact that he has not become a thing, a right. thing yet, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I still think you really need Claude Giroux for leadership and just just to score. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, for context, he has zero goals this year. In yeah, four assists. yeah. He's he's been he's been very yeah, unproductive. It's this so year. early though, right? I, I I think this is really interesting because I look at a team like Tampa. Steven Stamkos is the third best centerman on the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
He's the third best centerman. Any way you cut it. He's not as good a centerman as, as, as Braden Point. Now, when you say centerman, you mean like all the duties of position? Yeah, yeah. He's everything? not as good okay. a centerman as Braden Point. He's not as good a centerman as Anthony Cirelli. The organization knows it. I think Steven Stamkos knows it. So how you sort of tailor your role to that reality, I think, is, is, is a real telling sign of whether or not you should stick around. If Claude Giroux insists on being an offensive producer and being the guy, when clearly Travis Konechny is the guy right. that, make, that makes the offense run, yeah. uh, then maybe Claude Giroux has to go. But if Claude Giroux is willing to say change his role, mm. accept a lesser offensive role, become more of that maybe two-way guy, you know, do like the Steve Eiserman thing, that like what Steve Eiserman did later in his career, then yeah, I, th- I think there's really a valuable place for him. But if he insists on getting all the power play time and getting all the ice time and being on the top line and getting all the opportunity and he's not producing, then yeah, maybe it is time to move him. Yeah. What I would like to see is at least Giroux sticks around for this season and provides almost cover for Konechny. It's like, I don't know if the whole NHL knows about Travis Konechny in full yet, and that's great news for him because he's on a high ascent right now and playing excellent hockey. And if you're still game planning for Giroux and Konechny as opposed to putting your best guys on Konechny, then you're allowing him a chance to grow. And by the time you've figured it out, by the time the league has fully figured it out, Konechny has hit that other level where, yeah, Giroux doesn't need to be the guy anymore, doesn't need to have any focus on him. And if you can get him in that sort of middle six role where he's doing other things, playing a good two-way game, then obviously that's ideal. I think Konechny is on the cusp. And he could hit another level real soon. And right now the Flyers are in a good place where he's getting the minutes he needs, he's getting the results he needs. And Matt, you're right. You know, with Farabee and Frost coming up, you know, German Rubsoff in the mix as well, you've got some options that are coming up where you you're gonna be able to have some pretty nice depth up front. It's just like they're so close. And I think Giroux is still a key component, even if the numbers aren't there right now. I agree. And I think Giroux, you know, whether or not we characterize him as a great two-way player right now, I think he has the toolbox to become one if yep. he wants to be because he's a good skater. He's a very smart player. He's good on face-offs. I think if you, you know, especially in today's NHL, the ideal of being a, a good defensive player, it doesn't mean you have to bruise the opposition either, right? So Giroux's not a big guy. That wouldn't matter. I think if he's willing to take on those assignments, I absolutely believe he's talented enough to do it. So I, I'm not. I'm not uh, out of hope for Giroux's role in Philly. It's just a matter of will he evolve with time as he gets into his veteran years and become more. You know, sort of like what Joe Thornton has become for San yeah. Jose yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. he's embraced more of a two-way role and he's been very important to that team in his twilight years as well. So and also there's a question from Paul Zulak and it was about Travis Konechny. So I feel like Paul, we've sort of answered this while we were talking just organically. Yes, we do agree that I think we all agree Travis Konechny is really good. Yeah. And he is going to be a third goal yeah. scorer. So yeah. we're just going to move that one along because we kind of just yeah. we hit on it. So thank you, Paul. Uh, this question is from Anthony Louie. Anthony says, "At what point do we start asking the question about John Cooper? Do they need? Do, does Tampa need to be on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in around December?" Or will it be on the players at that point? I've been hearing uh, Lightning fans calling for his head since the playoff collapse, and they're even more vocal now. Wow, it's a big, 
thick yeah. question to unpack. Mm. Steven's got some information for us, it appears. Just, just want to say, Anthony Louie has uh, com- or sent us questions on a couple of episodes now, so he's been a good viewer. So nice. And he yeah. would be the man, Anthony. He would be that other guy's tag team partner. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Bra- Julian Bravo. Please welcome Julian Bravo. In his corner. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be that guy. Yeah. Wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I think it's way too early, first of all. Yeah. I'm way too early. Um, John Cooper is a hell of a coach. I, I, I think he's a really, uh, I think he's a really, he's really innovative. I think he knows how to manage players and manage egos in a big way. You know, we talked, I just talked about the Stamkos thing. Like a big part of the reason why Stamkos knows and has accepted what he's doing is because of John Cooper. Um, I, they're too good not to win. Mm-hmm. They're too good not to win. They're going to win. They're going to win someday. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but they're going to win a Stanley Cup. And their window is still too good. wide they're too open. Good. They're too good. Yeah. It's like Washington, you know, all those years. And then they won, you know. I mean, they're just too good. I think you got to give them one more crack in the playoffs if they fall short. If they fall short of the Stanley Cup final... Maybe the conference final, yeah. if I'm being charitable. Yeah. But if they don't win at least two rounds, you got to do something else. Maybe it's Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think but you, you have to because I know you're saying the window's open right now, but the window can close yeah. really quickly when you're not looking. And right. other teams in the conference are getting better. You got to strike while the iron's hot. And if for whatever reason John Cooper is just a regular season coach at the NHL level because we know he's won championships – at every other level. Got him to the final, too. Eh? Don't forget. Got sure. him to the final in 2015. Sure. Got him to the conference final, I think, at least once, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not, one, right? you know, he's got a playoff resume there. He has a playoff resume, one but the cup. this is a game, This is mm-hmm. a league of results. Right. And most recently, he went 0 for 4. Correct. So he's got to turn that around because, I mean, the patience you would need to have if you're Jeff Vinnick right now, and you've assembled this crack squad with a great young mind as GM in Julian Brisebois, after losing another great mind in Steve Eiserman, mm-hmm. you got to do it now. Mm-hmm. I think this year they got to make a deep run. They got to make sure that like all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. There can be no excuses. You're right. They're too good not to win, but they still got to win. Yeah. Right. Right, and and I do think you know historically, and it kind of goes across multiple sports. I think of the Raptors with uh, Dwayne Casey and, and Nick Nurse, right? Mm. Uh, when you, where you have a team that's on the cusp year after year after year, and they and it's, I mean it's also the Raptors, of course, they traded Demar Derozan. I know, but but they they made a, a shocking move, changing coaches when they were already a dominant team. Right. Uh, we saw the New Jersey De- New Jersey New Jersey fired a first place when they were in first place, right? They fired Robbie Fatorik. Right. Sometimes you have a team that you know is so close but can't get over the hump and. It might even be just a psychological, emotional thing. It might not even be fair. But when, you're, when you've tried everything, uh, then maybe you, know, you break a tie by saying, okay, I guess we should try a new coach to see if it gets them over the hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree. I don't think that's until the summer. I, I, don't, mm. unless, I mean, unless well, Tampa goes on a horrible losing streak, and yeah. you know, like, as the question implied, by Christmas they're in rough shape, you never know. But I don't, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that was part of the reason why John Cooper signed a three-year deal and not a longer deal. Like, when he signed that deal... They were guns a blazing, first place overall. Uh, looked like 
you know, a, it was going to be a coronation. The playoffs were going to be a coronation. Mm. And he only took a three-year deal. And I think part of that was, you know, in three years, we're either going to have won a cup or two or we're not. And, and if we haven't, I'm gone anyways. If we have, then I've written my ticket and I'm going to be making a lot more than 3.75 a year. Mm-hmm. Fair. Um, time for a few more questions. This one's from Leo Educated at Leo Educated. Okay, that's not his name. That's <laughs> not his it was. name. If he was a professor. <laughs> <Twitter name>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if he was a professor, though. Like, hello, I'm Professor Educated. That would be incredible. <laughs> it's pronounced educated. Yeah. <laughs> so Leo asks, which team do you feel will make the first significant trade moving a top-tiered player? Uh, I, I, I'm thinking about the New York Rangers because they have a pretty prominent player, maybe not top-tier, but close to it, who's a pending UFA, who was rumored to be traded before the season even started because the Rangers' cap was so messy, there was talk that there wasn't even room for him on the team, and that's Chris Kreider. Uh, I do think just his skill set would be so coveted come playoff time because he's very fast for a big guy, he's physical, and he can score goals. He just is so such a nice piece for the playoffs yeah. because he has the modern style speed but can also play a heavy game and heavy game matters more in the playoffs. Uh, the only thing, and this is a dilemma, you know, I, I talked to the Rangers last year about it when it was close to the trade deadline and it's it's a dilemma. You know, when you trade a Chris Kreider, then you need a Chris Kreider. Mm. That's the only problem, right? It's not like he's 35 years old, he's in his late 20s and if you, were, you, know, if you could convince him to sign a five-year deal to stay a Ranger, then maybe it's worth keeping him. The problem is, on the open market, he can get, I'm sure, he can get seven, right? He can probably get seven times seven on the open market, given his skill set. And if if you don't think you're, you you have a confident uh, chance to re-sign him, then you got to cash in that ticket because he's going to get you a first-round pick and probably a prospect, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm going to double down on Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. I'm doubling down on Taylor Hall for a couple of reasons. Number one, New Jersey, I mean, they won the, they won the other day, but they're not, they haven't been that good. Yeah. And this could be a tire fire in the making. Maybe not, but it could be. It could be. Um, the other reason is, as much as they're doing to keep him from going to free agency, last summer, not, not this past summer, but the summer before, Taylor Hall changed agents, and he went with Darren Ferris. Mm. Darren Ferris is a guy who historically wants his guys to go to free agency. He wants he wants that leverage, and historically, his guys have gone. You know, he had Mitch Marner. They held they held on for a long time till he got what he wanted. So I believe personally that Taylor Hall is going to go to unrestricted free agency, regardless of what happens in New Jersey this year. So you don't want to lose that asset for nothing, right? I mean, he may resign in New Jersey, but you, you I mean, once he goes to the open market, you can't count on him saying oh yeah I really like these guys you know um, if he's going to go then you got to get something for that asset if he's not helping you win now which he's not Yeah, I'm going to say Dallas because the Stars are off to a super rough start and that feels like a team that if they don't shake things up then the season might be toast already and maybe they just look at the landscape and say we're too far behind which guy, do they deal? Which guy do they deal, though? I don't know. That's tough. Like, is Jamie Benn? Is it Jamie Benn? But, but is, he, but is, is he, it a culture change you need? Yeah, but is Jamie Benn, like, is he a guy you want right now? He's looking pretty 
frustrated and slow. But maybe maybe <laughs> you, you know, think he maybe you think you can change. Yeah, him. no, no, but no. But <laughs> if you're another team, you say Jamie Ben used to be something. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, but, it only but takes it's a one. Big, it's a big ticket, and it's a, it's a guy who's not producing. So I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe it is Jamie Ben. Yeah. James Neal. James Neal. Very similar situation. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's Stephen, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Stephen. Yeah. yeah. Steven just seems to think he can just jump in whenever he wants. He can just sit in front of the like, camera. Like, we've enabled Show yourself. I have enabled turn your off. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think there's a question we got from Noah Lafort, and let's fold it into what we're talking about right now, okay? Because Noah asks, will the Dallas Stars continue being bad, or will they start jumping up the standings? This is how you know it's live. So you, you ask a question, Noah, and then That's here we right are. We're, putting it, we're adding it into the podcast on the spot. That's right. Um, and this is why, you know, you were talking about the Stars making a shakeup. Problem to me with the stars is this is such a win now team. Like you signed Corey Perry, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. So, you're you're you know the Seinfeld analogy with the gas tank. You're pushing it as far as yeah. you can go. Like you're you're so far down the win now road, you can't turn back now, baby. Yeah. So if you make a trade, in my opinion, it's got to be an upgrade, mm-hmm. not selling parts. Wow, well, and then maybe you're maybe you're just going further down the rabbit hole. Then yeah, you might be. And it's a tough situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's I mean I say Dallas not with a hundred percent confidence that, but it's like that's the scenario where. Things have gone really wrong in the Man, first month. Sucked. Yeah. They sucked. Like the so power play is terrible. So what do you do? Is it a matter of just that the new, you know, core isn't clicking yet? I mean, Corey Perry started the year on the shelf, or maybe everybody's just too old. Maybe they're just that, too that old. That might be the old. case. I think yeah. we can agree that the de- defense is obviously going to be fine. Uh, it's disappointing that you know Stephen Johns has had so many problems with his concussion because he would have been an interesting. I know he was projected to play with Heiskanen on the mm-hmm. second pair. Uh, we never got to see that kind of come to fruition properly. Um, but overall, I think we can still agree Dallas' problem long-term is not going to be defense. Uh, the goaltending, you know, I think was a threat to regress because it was so good last year. Um, but, yeah, may, I, I think you might have the point there, Ken. Just all of the most important offensive players on the team other than Rupe Hintz are just they're in their 30s they're, they're right. older guys yeah, right. or close to 30 not all in their 30s. And, but. and what, was, what, was the, what was the narrative with Dallas before? You shut down... Up, ben right? Radulov and Sagan, and you pretty much got them beat. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What are Ben Radulov and Sagan doing this year? Not a ton. Yeah. Slow Not start. a ton. Yeah. Not a ton. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pavelski hasn't probably been producing to the level that they would have thought. Um, so, you know, I mean, when that's the case, pretty easy to shut a team down like that. Mm-hmm. True. If I'm Jim Neal, I just go for it because, you know, you're just too far gone. <laughs> and you add, I think you need to add just some younger, fresher legs. Maybe yeah. a Chris Kreider. Uh, I mean, he's not that young, but he's got some speed. He should bring something to the yeah. table, huh? Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. Synergy. Like that call that? Yeah, synergy. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. Hope on, you enjoyed it. Oh, wait, Steven's oh, going to Steven, come in. The Steven hour. feels it's like he's off the top row. Okay. Steven's okay, podcast. Steven, why don't I just leave and you can sit here? Why don't I just The Steven that? news. Yeah. Uh, we, we got one one tweet saying, when we asked which NHL team would make the first significant trade, and uh, the one that got the most traction was Robert Hag for Connor McDavid. <laughs> Stop it. It's kind of like uh, Adam, 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 for Adam Larson. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to limp out of here. Thank you for listening and watching, everybody. Thanks to our sponsor, Christian Hockey. And we will see you and talk to you next week, everybody. 